Now, a few months ago, I was, um, I was out shopping in a town centre. It wasn't Chester, but it was somewhere nearby. And I saw this guy coming along the street towards me, who I recognised. And um, my hope was that he'd just kind of say hello, that he might recognise me and kind of just walk on by. And that's it. But instead... The thing that I feared most actually happened, and that was that he stopped to speak to me. Um, and in case you think I'm really horribly antisocial, which you might anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you much. Yes. Yeah, which I, I, maybe I am, but um, no, it was the, the, the problem was that I didn't know the guy's name. And you know when you meet someone in the street and you don't know who they are? And it's even worse when you meet someone in the street and you don't know who they are and you need to introduce them to someone else that you know. We all had that. I think everyone should have a sticker with their name, every place they've ever been to school or college or uni, every church they've been to, every job they've done, and then it'd be easy. But, but that was the situation. That's what happened to me. Um, I only found out later when he added me on Facebook where I knew him from. I left and I still only had a vague idea that I knew this guy. But that's kind of the situation we're going to look at today. It's kind of played out in Mark's Gospel. Um, as Keith said earlier, Mark's Gospel is written so that we can find out who Jesus is. We're calling the series Meet the King. And so there's this kind of situation. It's a story of Jesus walking on water. But the reader is, the writer rather, is doing something with this that helps us to know who Jesus is. So I'm going to read it to you if you've got your Bibles. Um, it's in Mark 6, 45 to 46. It goes like this. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. He meant to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, For they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, don't be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded. For they did not understand about the loaves, because their hearts were hardened. And when they'd crossed over... They came to the land at Gensaret and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came, in villages, cities, or the countryside, they laid the sick in marketplaces and implored him that they might even touch the fringe of his garments and as many as touched him were made well. 
So Jesus has just been, he's just done his miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. And he decides to send his disciples off. And as often with Jesus, he sends his disciples away so he can spend time with the Father, with God, his Father. And I believe a lot of what Jesus did came out of that being intimate with his Father. There's a phrase which I love, which is fruitfulness flows from intimacy. I think it's Heidi Baker, for those of you who have heard of her. But he goes up this hill, and he's sitting on the hill, and he's watching his disciples in a boat. And I see this as kind of like a bit of a film scene. You've got this image of Jesus sitting on the hill. He's spending time praying. He's meeting with his father. And we look out over the lake, and there's a shot of the lake, and there's water, and there's wind, and there's waves, and there's storm. And there's this little speck, this little speck on the lake, which is the disciples' boat. And Jesus is looking out from his place of prayer on the hill, and he sees this little speck. So he decides to, um, to go to the disciples. He walks on the lake to his disciples, on the lake. I'm not going to walk on, on water. But that's what he did. He walked on the lake. Just in case you didn't get that, he's on the water. In a storm as well, just to make it even more impressive. And so he sort of gets into the boat. Storm calms down. Everything seems all right at the end. Well, that's the basic story. But there's, there's some details in the story. I don't know when you read the Bible if you kind of see things jump out at you uh, from the passage. But that's what happened to me when I was reading this. And there's these little details that jump out. And I think it's important to look at some of them. And the first one I want to look at, which goes back to what Phil said last week, kind of lays the groundwork for everything else that we're going to hear about Jesus. Remember, it's meet the king. It's revealing who Jesus is. That's what Mark's doing. He's revealing to us something about Jesus. And so there's this little bit in, uh, in verse, um, verse 52. So Jesus gets into the boat and it says, the disciples were astounded because they did not understand about the loaves. So he's just walked on water and he didn't understand about loaves. Now, imagine, imagine like you younger guys, you're in, you're in school or you're people in college or uni or whatever and you do an essay or you do a bit of homework and you give it in and I don't know, it's maths, for example and your teacher fails you and says you failed because you didn't understand about the loaves. Okay. Or you're in work and you do something for your boss and it's like, well, yeah, you did it, but you didn't understand about it. That, to me, when I was reading it, that's what that is. He's walked on water and there's this thing about loaves and it seems really important. You might be ahead of me because I mentioned something earlier, but loaves walking on water. It doesn't seem to, to fit, but 
but it seems really, really important to what Mark is saying. But as I hinted at at the start, this is where we have to go back to last week. So if you weren't here, um, well, I'll explain it, so it's fine. If you were on holiday, if you were sunbathing, or um, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) So last week, Phil was preaching. And he was speaking about the feeding of the 5,000. And what he basically said was that in Mark's telling of the feeding of the 5,000, we see this, this image of Jesus acting out Psalm 23. And so Mark puts in that Jesus sat the people on the green grass by the water. And as Phil said, Mark, in his writing, kind of, he's, he's, he's got lots of immediate leaves. There was one at the start of this. There's lots of quick stuff. He doesn't put a lot in there. He, he says what he needs to say, but he mentions that the grass is green. And Phil linked this back to Psalm 23 and how the shepherd of Israel, the Lord our shepherd, who is God, sits his people next to the green grass to feed them. And so, kind of Jesus is revealing, and Mark is revealing about Jesus, that he is actually the same as that God. So he is the God of the Old Testament, the shepherd who sits them by the green grass. And the disciples don't seem to have got that. But the implication here is that if they had got it, they would have also got what was happening in the walking on water. They would have understood what walking on water was about. They wouldn't have been astounded and afraid at the end. They would have got it. It would have made sense to them. So that's all kind of groundwork, really. Um, but but it directly, they directly link together these two stories. They link together to create an image of Jesus and who he is and what Mark is trying to say. So this is where they link together. This is where everything was jumping out the page. I love reading the Bible and seeing stuff jump out the page. So in verse 48, there's two things other than the loaf thing that I've already mentioned. There's two other things that kind of are in this passage, okay? So verse 48, Jesus is walking on the lake, and it says, he went to pass them by on the lake. He goes to pass his disciples by. He doesn't try to get in a boat to start with. He just wants to pass them by. might seem a bit cruel to you, I don't know. They're in a storm. Lovely Jesus walks by. See ya. And, um, but there's a reason for that, see? And part of the reason for that is linking back to the first storm story a bit earlier on in Mark. They're in the boat. Jesus is sleeping. They don't trust him. And so he kind of does it again to see if they'll trust him this time. And they still don't. But there's something else in this story, okay? So... In the book of Job, in the Old Testament, it says this. Job 9. You don't have to turn there if you've got Bibles. But Job 9, 8 to 11. Who alone stretched out the heavens and trampled the waves of the sea? Who made the bear and and Orion, the Pallades and the chambers of the south? Who does great things beyond searching out and marvellous things beyond number? 
Behold, he passes me by, and I see him not. He moves on, but I do not perceive him. So this is where the feeding of the 5,000 comes in as being important. What we have here is like the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus again is acting out an Old Testament story of Job, of, the, of God in the book of Job, walking on the water, passing them by, and the disciples not perceiving who he is. It's, it's, it, in Job, he passes me by, I perceive him not. The disciples are not perceiving Jesus walking on the water, passing them by, they're not recognizing again that he is showing himself to be like the God in the Old Testament. Like in the feeding of the 5,000, he's showing himself to be the shepherd. Here, he's showing himself to be the one who walks on the water and passes them by like God did in the Old Testament in Job. And the point being, if they'd understood the feeding of the 5,000, if they'd understood that he was showing something about himself, they would have got this too. If they'd understood he was acting out the Old Testament story, they would have understood him acting out another Old Testament story, showing himself to be who he was, but they were hard-hearted and dull, and they didn't get it, and we probably wouldn't either. In fact, we often don't. But then he gets into the boat. They see him, and he says, just before he gets in the boat, actually, and he says, don't be afraid, it is I. Don't be afraid, it is I. And there's, there's some translations that kind of they take this and they make it sort of like Jesus saying, hi guys, it's me, don't worry. But actually, when Jesus says to them, just before he gets in the boat, they see him on the sea, they're afraid, and he looks at them and he says, don't be afraid, it is I. That phrase is, in Greek, is ego eimi, which is I am. So they see him walking on the lake, they're terrified, and he says, don't be afraid, I am. Now some of you might be ahead of me already here and know exactly what that refers to. Again, Old Testament. Phil used this phrase last week. The old is in the new the new is in the old concealed the old is in the new revealed. So the Old Testament reveals Jesus and Jesus is hidden in the Old Testament, but he's there. Remember Moses in the Old Testament? He's, he sees a burning bush. He's, he's escaped from Egypt. He's killed an Egyptian. He goes into the desert. God appears to him in a burning bush and sends Moses to release his people, the Israelites, from captivity. And Moses says, who shall I tell them has sent me? And God says, tell them, I am has sent you. And that's the divine name that Jews um, particularly use for God. And we translate it Yahweh or Jehovah or nobody knows really. Phil mentioned this last week as well, but nobody really knows 
how to translate it, but the point is it's the divine name. It's the name of God himself. So not only does Jesus feed the 5,000 last week and show himself to be God, the shepherd, God, the Lord, our shepherd, not only does he walk on the sea like God does in the Old Testament in Job and pass them by and act it all out supposedly clear as day, He also uses the name of God for himself, I am. And the implication is that the disciples should have understood it. The disciples should have got it, but he didn't. It's a bit, we think it's a bit weird maybe, they spent all that time with Jesus, they saw so much stuff that he did and they still didn't get it said they were hard hearted they'd seen all three of these things being acted out and they'd seen so much else and they still didn't get it and yet in the second story we have Jesus landing on the shore with the disciples and all the people bring the sick to him to be healed and it says that they landed on the shore and in verse 54 it says they immediately the people immediately recognised him they immediately recognised Jesus so the guys that had been hanging around with him for all this time didn't recognise him even though he'd done all of these things to show who he was and specifically acting out bits of the Old Testament being God instead of you know, acting out the place of God in these stories and Mark picks up on it when he writes it and all of this stuff but they didn't get it but the crowds of people the normal everyday people recognise Jesus he lands on the shore, they bring the sick they know that he can heal the sick, they know that he's someone special. I don't know whether they know he's the Messiah. I don't know whether they know he's God, but they know that this Jesus can do something. And it says they brought the sick to him to touch the hem of his robe, which is like the woman in Mark 5, which which we had a few weeks back, who touched the hem of Jesus' robe. She had bleeding for 12 years, I think it was, 12 years. You preached that, didn't you? So, 12 years. And she touches the hem of Jesus' robe and she's healed. Same thing here, language of faith. They bring the sick to Jesus to touch the hem of his robe and people get healed. The crowd responds with faith. They see who Jesus is in some way or another, but the disciples don't. And it's quite, it's quite interesting that it works that way. As you might be thinking, if you're like me, when I sometimes hear preaching, uh, <laughs> what does this mean to me? What's so what? You know, don't if you ever get that when you hear preaching, but, but so what?
I suppose the question is, basically, do you recognize Jesus today? But I've chosen the words carefully, purposefully. Do you recognize Jesus? Not just do you know him, are you a Christian? And there might be people here that aren't, and that's another question. Do you know him at all? Are you a Christian? Have you put your faith in him? That's an important question, and put that out there. You know if you have or not. But even if you do know him, or even if you don't, do you recognize, recognize Jesus? You know, when life gets, I don't want to make the storm too much into an analogy, it was a real storm, but there is storms in life. Do you recognize him? He's walking by. He seems to be walking by. Do we recognize Jesus? And specifically, as in the story, the two stories and last week's, do we recognize him as God in our circumstances? In sickness, some of you are sick, you've been living with sickness, you have sickness. Do you recognize that he's God in stress, in in, I've got a dissertation due in in three weeks, 8,000 words, I'm 3,000 words under and I finished. So I've got to, I've got to find 3,000 words from somewhere. Like, that's stressful, okay? But other people like you guys have probably got work to do for, for stuff and, and when you go to work and jobs and all that stuff, family, relationships, life is a, life is a, stressful, a stressful thing. Don't do a dissertation. Anyway, life, life, is, life is stressful. Right? There's all sorts of stuff that, that goes on in life. And it's, it's sort of like, in all of that stuff, do we see that he is God? That he is... He's the one that created the world. I had this real um, experience of God a few weeks ago where I, was, I went for a walk... So if you know Chester by the river, you've got the meadows, you've got a really nice area there. And I went for a walk and it was, it was like every bit of grass, every blade of grass, every flower, everything was, was alive, it was real. It's like God made that. He created it. And he's God. And so we can trust him in, I, I was feeling like I can trust him in what I'm going through. But do we see him in every circumstance of our lives as God? Do we recognize him? Are you recognizing him today in what's going on? Whatever it is, it doesn't really matter what it is in one sense. I hope that's not a horrible thing to say, but he's still God. But it's recognizing him as God, as sovereign and making him God in our circumstances, over our circumstances, and knowing that you can't get bigger than God, right? So... I hope that's not too simple. I study theology. I hope that's not... Maybe that's too simple, but you can't get bigger than God, right? So do we know that he's God? And then I was thinking about this, and it's... If I'd walked up to that person in the street, it's embarrassing, I'm a British, and we don't like it, but how would I have known who he was? 
I could have asked him. I don't know how you do it, but hi, mate, what's your name? Where do I know you from? You don't do that, it's horrible, but, but I could have done. And I think, believe, possibly, maybe, God knows that we don't always see him as God, that we don't always recognise him as sovereign in our circumstances, that we don't, we know theologically that Jesus is God, but we don't always know and recognise that. And so maybe, just maybe, he's waiting for us to be like the crowds, not like the disciples, and simply say to him, show me this again. Show me that you are God. Show me that you're in charge. I can't do this. I can't get through this. I can't face this. Or maybe actually life's pretty good, but you are God. Because I only had to ask that person, and I would have known who they were. It's really as simple as that. I truly believe if God gives us faith, we can ask him. Ask him again to reveal himself as God into the circumstances of our lives and of this church and of our city. And because he wants to do that. He wants to inspire our faith. He wants to show us himself. That's why Jesus saved us. So that we can know God and know him as God. So it's not as complicated as it can seem to be. I just want to pray, actually. Um, I want to pray for us um, that God will do that. Because I think maybe there is people here, I don't know, but maybe there is people here who... Maybe there's people here who aren't Christians that need to know him, but maybe there's also people here that need that fresh revelation of Jesus as bigger, as God, who is bigger than everything that they face. Call that prophetic if you like, it's probably quite a good guess in a room with this many people. I don't know, but maybe there is. That whatever you're in, you need to see that. I want to pray for you. that he will reveal himself to you in that way.